At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Get out now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh. Thursday morning, October 17th, 2019, the Beating now. the Book podcast. Megapod, Gil Alexander, week seven, National Football League. We'll try to dissect it. We'll try to break it down. We will try, most importantly, to do better than we did last week, which was kind of horrific across the board. I'm going uh, to just say that up front. Uh, we'll do better. And we have a uh, new guest, of course, today, obviously. Not to blame Jeff Parles for anything. It wasn't his fault. It was mainly our fault, the main uh, staples of the show. On my right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, he is the number two man over there at... Uh, I won't call him the number two man. He's Derek Stevens Conciliary. He's the vice president of operations at Circus Sports. Mike Palm, what's happening, Mike? Good morning, Gil. It uh, must be a very proud day for you being an educational elitist with a very prestigious guest. <laughs> Yes, it is. I am an educational elitist. It's exactly no one has ever called me that before, but it's accurate, and I own it. That's not accurate at all. Todd Wishnev is here. He is uh, claiming to be the opposite of an educational elitist, but he's one too. What's happening, Todd? It's uh, it's nice to be here and uh, to show my PhD from South Alabama. Nice. By the way, did you see the South Alabama pick six last night? Did anybody see that? Anybody? Was, yes. was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. What was he doing? The receiver was 20 yards downfield. What was that? Look, Sunbelt football is some of the best football you're ever going to watch. Yeah, well, I know. Uh, I can't wait to watch that video you posted where apparently you got into it with someone from the Sunbelt Conference from Alabama. That's on Todd's, that's on Todd's Twitter at TWishnev. Um, all right, and our rotating guest, as Mike Palm has uh, suggested, is a man with pedigree. He has a Ph.D. from Stanford in a subject matter that I once – uh, upon a time used to describe on the podcast, but then I realized it took 20 seconds to get through, so I stopped describing it. Maybe he'll do it for us. 
ladies and gentlemen, from the Power Rank, Ed Fang. What's happening, Ed? Nothing much. Thank you so much for having me. And I would like to say, you know, like a Stanford PhD is like organic describing food. It's really nice to have the label, but it doesn't guarantee the quality inside. And we, I got a lot of great stories about Stanford PhDs. Uh, uh, my favorite was the one that was Larry Page's roommate at Stanford. He was working on his mechanical engineering PhD. And Larry offered, you know, to, he could have been, what, the fourth, fifth employee at Google? Yeah. <laughs> but then uh, seven, eight years later, Google went public. And this young man was still working on his PhD at Stanford. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> some things in life are worth more than money. Thank you, Ed. <laughs> If you know what it's like to be in the 10th year of your... I mean, it's pretty hard being in the 6th year of your PhD. He was a sad dude that day. I think money uh, trumps some things. Yeah. And I was I was trying to make a facetious joke, but you never told us what the discipline of your PhD was. Yes. So I, I did my PhD in chemical engineering, and I studied um, liquids and how molecules move around in liquids. And weirdly, it turns out to be a perfect background to study sports because you see a lot of the same variants and by the way i bet you ed would have tons to say about my quantum physics theories gil maybe on another podcast oh, oh, you, oh probably, yeah probably talk for hours that would be fun i don't know if it'd be fun ed but it'd be talking for hours that's for sure <laughs> there's that hey quantum computing is going to come and wreck all our theories on sports betting so we might as well start talking about it now. By the way, I sold you short here, Ed. So not only, of course, the flagship is thepowerrank.com, but you do a lot of different things now. What else are you doing? Because I'm on your podcast with Jim Sands later in the day. So explain what everything yeah. that you do is. Yeah, Jim Sands and I host Covering the Spread. It's a sports betting podcast that we do for FanDuel uh, and Numberfire. He's he's a senior editor over there at Numberfire. So we do that twice a week. Uh, one's dedicated to college football, one to the NFL and then I also have my own podcast, The Football Analytics Show, uh, in which uh, I talk to people about football analytics. And it's not explicitly about betting, but we certainly don't shy away from that. Nice. And Football Analytics Pod is still going strong after all these years. Yeah, it is. I think it's only year three or maybe four now. Okay. Kind of all blends together. But all right. uh, it's been a lot of fun, and it, uh, it makes me talk to people instead of just holding myself in my basement with my numbers all day. <laughs> Okay, well, hopefully your Stanford PhD will give us some winners here today. Uh, before we before we get to best bets, Mike Palm, circa six weeks in, who's in the lead? What's this person's record? Uh, twenty three and a half points is uh, there are two at twenty three and a half. Um, unlike uh, the super contest that has a twenty seven and three, it's out by like three and a half games in uh, quarter two, Gil. Remember, we had 50 people go 5-0 and week one in October. Mm -hmm. and we, we now have three people at 10-0 and wow. heading into uh, week three. You know, uh, I was not only 4-1 and like Todd was the first week of the quarterly, but I got to 5-1 and with that New England win on Thursday night, so I was feeling very good about myself. Um, and then my last four games on Sunday, let me explain to you how they went. They went like this. Loss, loss, wait, hold up for the rest. Loss, Wait, one more loss. So I'm probably not in it anymore. Todd, did you uh, did you do okay on Sunday? I was 16 and nine coming in, as you know. I went one and zero in London with the Carolina Panthers, and then I got Baker Mayfield, Freddie Kitchened, and I also got uh, Atlanta Falcons referee problems, and it was uh, a shitstorm of zero and four. 
to move me to 17 and 13. The dream is dead, and I'm thinking about going back to Stanford for a PhD. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Let's do it. Let's start with best bets. As always, we start with our guests. Mr. Fang, what is your first best bet of the week, week seven? Yeah, so the game I like most this week is Houston plus one at Indianapolis. But about Thursday night's game, Gil, usually on the, the, the format of the show is we talk about Thursday night before the best <laughs> bets, correct? You know, Todd is right about format things, and on this he is right. So, Ed, I apologize. Hold the best bet for a second. Thursday right. night happens to be one of my best bets, actually, ladies and gentlemen, so it's sort of a melding here. Kansas City at Denver tonight, two weeks ago... Uh, we were looking at a 4-0 and Kansas City Chiefs team and an 0-4 Denver Broncos team. Two weeks is all it takes in the NFL to just discombobulate everything that we think about these teams. The Chiefs are 4-2. and The Broncos are 2-4. and The Raiders, by the way, in the mix in the AFC West as well at 3-2. and This is at Denver. This opened uh, higher than it is, and it has come down this entire time. So we're at a field goal now. I even saw last night, I even saw minus 3, minus 101 at one point. Now it's... Minus three plus 100. It is reduced juice. Uh, as we speak, I see the Christmas tree lighting up across the board. So I don't know if this will get below a three. I mean, I can't fathom that it would, but at least that's what it looks like now. Consensus. Listen, it was minus five and a half at open. How do you feel about this, Mike? Any play tonight? Because you can already sense where I'm going. Well, I may dabble a little bit on the under in this game, Gil. Um, if, if there's any offense that Kansas City can stop, it might be Joe Flacco. And, uh, and we've seen uh, Mahomes hobbled uh, Watkins when Watkins is out. They're just not as explosive. You know, uh, Fangio's on a little run here with his defense, uh, having, having held Rivers to 250 yards and then shutting out uh, Mariota in Tennessee last week. So I might, I might take a play on under. I might go first half under 24 and a half but not a real strong feeling on this game. All right, full game total, by the way, 49 on this one. Todd, any thoughts tonight? Gil, am I marking you down as a best bet for this game? You will be, momentarily. Okay, so thoughts about this game tonight. Uh, here's the thing. This, you know, I know Kansas City's all banged up. Mahomes' ankle's messed up. There's you know, problems with wide receiver, offensive line, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the, the thing that I would like to say is this. Vic Fangio beats me every single week, whether I bet on him or against him. I'm going against this Fangio fanny pack jerk. Uh, here's the deal. If you want to beat Kansas City, you at least have to have a decent offense because even if you're playing better on, on, on defense, they're still going to get some points. So to me, this is not the, the time to be going against Kansas City. I like going against Kansas City when they're giving five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten points. You can get the backdoor covers. When this situation, you're asking Denver to really be competitive with them. And maybe they are, but they're going to have to prove it to me. Just because you beat Marcus Mariota doesn't make me think your defense is fantastic. So uh, if, if I'm not going to bet this in my three top bets, but if I had to bet here, I'd have a strong lean to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Ed? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, this is going to be one of my best bets for the week. I, I really like Kansas City minus three. Um, when you start looking at this, uh, if you go, if you look at a look ahead number, so basically what I would have made this in the preseason, it would have been Kansas City by almost five points. And I understand that uh, bad things have happened to them over the last two weeks. I still think of the indie game as kind of inexplicable. 
how um, Indianapolis defense that was down a couple of their top players was able to stop Kansas City. Obviously, you know, the Mahomes injury in his ankle probably played a part in that. And and sure, he's probably still a little bit banged up. But for all we know, he's going to play tonight. He's probably going to look like the Pat Mahomes that we all know and love. And um, I, I just think, you know, Denver was a team coming into the season that we didn't really think that highly of. Um, I mean, yes, their defense looks a little bit better, but I'm um, so, so one of the things on defense and on offense, I, I look at success rate and I adjust for strength of schedule based on who they played. Uh, Denver's defenses look pretty good. They look ninth in pass defense and 17th in rush defense. And in contrast, Kansas City is, has really struggled. So they're 22nd in pass defense and, and 31st in rush defense. And, and they couldn't do anything against Indy's offensive line. But still, with all those things being said, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes. Um, it's a division game. Perhaps they were looking forward to this game a little bit. Uh, last week, um, it's a national primetime game. I, I like Kansas City minus three. I am going to add on a best bet of the Kansas City Omaha Chiefs. Now, I know last week... I said this about the Houston Texans line where the Chiefs were concerned, where I said, you know, down to four, that this was an overreaction, overadjustment, and I thought the Chiefs were cheap then. Chiefs went out to a 17-3 to lead. Uh, and then at the end of the first half, there was that sequence that really changed the game. Juan Thornhill picked off Deshaun Watson, should have knocked it down. It was a fourth down play. Mahomes and the Chiefs, uh, Andy Reid decided they were going to try to matriculate the ball down the field from deep in their... Uh, from deep on their side, Mahomes was strip-sacked with 20 seconds left in the half. Houston recovers. Watson waltzes into the end zone on the very next play. Houston led, and they never looked back. Kansas City was held to 309 total yards. They gave up 472. Yes, their defense is a sieve. Uh, And then there's Denver, who held Tennessee to 2 of 14 on third downs. But by the way, Denver was also 2 for 14 on third downs. Joe Flacco and that offense not scaring anybody. They did uh, hold Tennessee to... 204 total yards, 39 on the ground. They sacked both Mariota and Tannehill combined seven times, three picks. But it's Mariota and it's Tannehill. They are not the Kansas City Chiefs, newsflash. Uh, and I'm basically going to back up everything that everybody said, which is this is three points, Kansas City. Like the, the notion that two weeks ago we would tell ourselves, hey, by the way, in two weeks, that Thursday night game, Kansas City's only going to be a three-point favorite. We might have responded, oh, did Mahomes get hurt in the next two weeks? Like, we literally would have said that. We, there's no, there would be no other explanation for this. It's Kansas City for me, and this is one of these bets that you have to be willing to lose, right? Like, it's one of these where I'm like, look, it's Kansas City minus three. I'm betting it. If I lose, so be it. Tip of the cap to Vic Fangio and Denver. And then I'll never bet the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, in this current form with this defense ever again. But one more shot at this on a Thursday night at Denver, just giving three. Thank you very much. I'll take that. So Kansas City, a best bet for me, too. So Ed and I have already given a best bet, Todd. So mark those down. Okay. I'm marking down Gil and Ed at Kansas City minus three. Ed's already give, Ed, Ed has already given two best bets. He's also got the Texans plus one. Ed, do you like Texans plus one better? He or already Casey said minus- it. He already said it. Gil's totally bumbled the show because he doesn't know <laughs> the order again. <laughs> well, we'll get to that because he didn't give but, an but explanation. The a good one. And, and I, like, I like Houston plus one better. 
Okay, well, now you're bumbling the show further, Mike, because you're going out of order. So, for goodness no, sake. No, he already gave the pick before Todd interrupted uh, I, me. The I order. know, but he didn't give the full explanation. So, let's go around the horn for the first picks, and then we'll get to Texans plus one from Ed as his number two pick, where he can give his full explanation for it. Yes, Todd, is that the way to do it? Uh, that is the way to do it, and I'm surprised with Mike's operational background that he doesn't get that. And vice president. Well, first of all, he gave the pick, and then we went back to <laughs> Thursday night. I have a question for Todd. Okay? Yes. Yes, what sir. Makes, what makes Vic Fangio a jerk? You said he's a jerk. Do you, do you have a personal experience with him? That's right. Yes, I have I have five personal experiences with him, three oh. against him, and two for him. And, and uh, you know, I'll be honest. If I went to lunch with him, I definitely wouldn't even consider picking up the check. <laughs> Well, there was already a lean there, whether it was Fangio or not. <laughs> Fangio or any other human being on earth. That's right. Yeah. Todd, I, Todd, I love you. I say it out of love, Todd. Don't get mad. Gil, can you ask Mike to make a best bet? Because, you know, I feel we've really dumbed it down. We have a Stanford PhD on the line. I can know. We get... I know. And I apologize. Mike, uh, since you tried to further bumble the show, what is your first bet, Mike? First best bet. Um, I'm going to take the New York Giants minus three. Really? Uh, I, yes, I, and if you'd have told me uh, after two weeks that I'd ever have the Giants as a best bet, I would have probably said uh, I'm, I've lost my mind. But I think this is a tough spot, a 10 a.m. Pacific start game, traveling across the country for Arizona, and the Giants look to have their full complement of their offense back, uh, not only with Barkley but with the receiver in the tight end. Uh, I think this is a short price. Uh, I don't know that Arizona, with their awful defense, will score enough points to keep up with uh, with with Daniel Jones because I think the Giants can hang in the mid thirties on Arizona here, uh, just so long as they don't get too far behind in this game like Arizona did. So I'll lay three with the Giants as my first best bet. Okay. By the way, I was I was saying really uh, not because I didn't like the pick, but because. I'm surprised anybody gravitated towards this game, but your explanation uh, rings true. By the way, I had Ben Fox from ESPN on uh, a numbers game at Vison this morning. He also uh, likes the Giants. Arizona did, for all of their uh, one-point win against the Falcons last week, they did have a bunch of lucky breaks. Not lucky, but things went their way. Damier Bird looked like he might have fumbled after a 58-yard catch. Call was upheld after review. Kyler Murray ran for a first down on the game's final drive on a play that was close to being short of the marker. But that review was also confirmed. And then, Todd, you wanted to say something about, like, we, we all talk about horrible calls, and certainly Monday Night Football was on full display, Detroit and Green Bay. But you claim that Arizona was the beneficiary of the worst call you've ever seen this season? Uh, the kick-catch interference, uh, you know, Falcons down 27-10 get back to 27 all are punting the ball because of course you know the falcons can't continue and take the lead sure. but they have to head and punt the ball they punt the ball up in the air pretty high so there's it's one of those deals where there's like a whole bunch of guys coming back toward the returner and the off quite frankly the receiving team blockers were closer to the guy making the fair catch than the other guys and it hits his leg and, of course, bounces away. Falcons get the ball, but they call kick-catch interference in what I will contend is definitely in the top three of the worst NFL calls we've seen this year in, uh, you know, WWE style. Uh, of course, Atlanta loses. Okay, so add that, all those things, Todd's call and the two that I just mentioned, Arizona had everything break their way, including a missed extra point, right, for Matt Bryant to win it. So add those in the Giants column as well that – 
even Arizona in victory, had everything break their way last week against the Falcons. Todd, your first best bet, sir. My best bet is the Jacksonville Jaguars minus three and a half. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are not a team that you want to take as a dog, as a short dog. I think you want that team when they're getting 11, 12, 15 points and can get backdoor covers. I don't think you want them when they're only getting three and a half, albeit at home. I think the Jags are a pretty good defensive football team. And couple that with the Cincinnati horrible defense, I think the Jags will be able to get out past the three and a half. Yeah, you know, this for me, by the way, was the biggest difference between my guessing lines guess and the actual line. I thought Jacksonville would be five and a half point favorites. And as you said, they are only three and a half point favorites. So Jacksonville, your number one best bet. All right, best bet number two. I know uh, some people here were upset that you uh, that I went out of order, I should say, and uh, that you tipped off your second best bet, Ed. But please, so that everybody's happy, Texans plus one, that's your second best bet? That's right, Gil. Remember, you were on the show, so you get to do whatever you want. <laughs> but I, I indeed, uh, I like Houston plus one. I really think this line is an overreaction to what happened two weeks ago when Indianapolis beat Kansas City 19-13. to It was really an inexplicable game. Uh, Indy's defense is not particularly good, and then they had three starters that did not play for the majority of that game, and yet they still got the win against uh, Pat Mahomes. Of course, there were other situations going on there as well because Mahomes got his ankle tweaked and, and hasn't looked like the normal Pat Mahomes since then. However... Indy hasn't played since then, and I just don't think that Lightning strikes twice again for this defense. They're still dealing with the injuries. Safety Malik Hooker is out. Uh, Darius Leonard, the linebacker, and and Clayton Gathers, the safety, are both listed as questionable with concussions. And, you know, even with their good performance against Kansas City, the Colts don't look good on defense by my numbers. So when I look at adjusted success rate, the Colts are 16th against the pass and 26th against the run. Now, on offense, the Colts' offense is essentially what you'd expect without Andrew Luck, but a great offensive line. They're 27th in passing, but best in the NFL in running the ball. So they'll try to run the ball against Houston. I don't think that's going to go particularly well. Uh, Houston's run defense is good. They're ranked 10th in the NFL by my adjusted success rate. That's significantly better than what they faced against Kansas City. I've also been looking at pro football focus and their player grades to help my analysis of games this year. One thing that's jumped out to me with Houston is that defensive tackle DJ Reader has a grade of 90 in run defense, and that's out of 100. So overall, my numbers actually like Houston to win this game outright. Uh, I will go with Houston plus one at Indy. Houston plus one at Indy. Uh, Houston last week against the Chiefs. I realize it was the Chiefs. But still, 39 minutes and 48 seconds of possession, 19-12, just 19-12 for the Chiefs. Uh, outgained them on the ground, 192-53, to 472-309 in total yards. Ten penalties, yes, for the Texans. That's been a league-wide problem for 70 yards. They'll want to clean that up. But uh, Deshaun Jackson, 30-42 of 42 for 281, touchdown, two picks. Again, the Colts' defense, not the Chiefs' defense, but... Um, Certainly the game they wanted from their offense last week. We'll see if we can, uh, if the uh, Texans can carry it over into this week. Got to keep Deshaun Watson upright. That really is, if you do the uh, the box score review on these games for the Texans, it often can be distilled to that one point. Is Deshaun Watson getting sacked left and right, meaning four times or more, which happened eight games in a row at one point? Uh, then a couple games later, he got sacked uh, six times earlier this year. But when they keep him clean, which they did last week, 
MVP candidate. Deshaun Watson for sure. So you're taking Houston plus one, Indianapolis on the extra rest. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to jump in real quick about Watson and sacks. So one of the interesting things that I've come across is the work that Eric Eager at Pro Football Focus has done about just how much control quarterbacks have over their sack rates. Uh, it's more than you think. We tend to think about it as the offensive line giving him protection, but often it's the quarterback in his decision-making and whether he gets the ball out quickly and whether he invites sacks. And Deshaun Watson is, is someone that does invite sacks sometimes by pulling the ball down and scrambling around. Uh, Russell Wilson is definitely another one in that camp too. So I think the sack rate is an important stat. As you mentioned, Gil, it's not just on the line. I think it's also on Watson as well. Mike Palm, by the way, who we have lost and had to go uh, run and do stuff. So we apologize for that technical difficulties and we can't get him back because he's got time constraints. He likes the under in this game. Am I correct in that, Ed, if we recall that correctly? He likes the under here. He does like the under. Okay, he likes the under and the number on the under here in this game is 47. So Palm is on the under, Houston at Indianapolis. That's his second best bet. Todd, what's best bet number two for you, sir? Best bet number two was the Miami Dolphins. Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Oh, Miami God. Dolphins, number one. Oh, God. Plus 17 points. We talked about this on a numbers game on Wednesday on Gill's show. I think the difference between Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick is vast. Now, I do realize Ryan Fitzpatrick can be a dumpster fire and throw four interceptions, but he can also be a competent quarterback at times. So I'm hoping for the latter this week. I just don't see how a defensive football team like the Bills should be favored by 17 points pretty much against anybody. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick can be somewhat adequate, get the Dolphins seven points, 23-7, and you cover So I'll take the Miami Dolphins plus the 17. (laughs) I'm with you, man. I am with you. I do not understand how we live in a world where the Buffalo Bills are 17-point favorites over a Ryan Fitzpatrick-led Miami Dolphins team. And again, with all of Ryan Fitzpatrick's foibles, this isn't Josh Rosen. We should not live in this world where Buffalo's a 17-point favorite. So I'm with you there. Uh, By the way, this just in. Is Dwayne Haskins starting for the Redskins? My God. God. Is that real? Oh, my goodness. Well, taking first-team reps anyway. I am all about the Niners on my number two best bet. Whether it was Case Keenum or Dwight Haskins, I'd be on the Niners. Uh, Not only will the place be overrun by Niners fans, a little more than 50% Niners fans, I would say, coast-to-coast here, but... The Redskins were 2 of 14 on third downs against the Dolphins. They could barely hold on to the lead at the end. The Niners against the Rams were awesome. Uh, I had the Niners in-game in that game at minus 6.5. They were up 20-7 to seven for a huge portion, a huge portion of the second half. And I never had any doubt, even if doubt crept in, the Niners kept turning the Rams away. Kept turning away. And Jimmy Garoppolo... Uh, fumbled the ball. The Rams returned it to the San Francisco 36 with 8.40 to play. The Rams promptly turned it over on downs. And Kyle Shanahan had this to say, after that, I had a feeling that if we just don't turn it over, we'll win this game. I haven't had that feeling very much in my career, and the defense definitely gave it to me the whole game. That is huge. I am considering, Mike Palm and I already have the Niners to win the NFC West. I have it at plus 395, Mike at plus 375. I'm considering adding NFC futures with the Niners, Super Bowl futures with the Niners. They didn't have, by the way, their starting offensive tackles, Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley in that game against the Rams. 
Uh, yeah, the Redskins AP, Adrian Peterson, double his yards on the ground. That's not going to matter against the Niners defense. They're flying all over the field. They're stout against the run. They're really good against the pass. I don't know how the Redskins score against this team. I don't know how they stop Jimmy Garoppolo and crew. Give me the Niners minus nine and a half, my second pick. You know, I, I liked your second pick before. Now I love your second pick because I think D. Wayne Haskins is overmatched. And at least with Case Keenum, you know, he's a below average quarterback, but he's still an NFL quarterback somewhat. But Haskins, I think, is just fully overmatched. So I, I love what you're talking about here, Niners. Well, we'll see what Bill Callahan ultimately decides to do because he announced Case Keenum earlier in the week, but... We shall see. Do me a favor, Todd. Give me your number three pick. And before you even do that, give me what Mike Palm's number three pick, because as I mentioned earlier, we lost him. You got his first two? We do have his first two. Okay. His third pick was the Minnesota Vikings minus two on the road at Detroit. He believes that Dalvin Cook should be able to run the ball against Detroit. I think that was the main um the main thrust of his Minnesota argument was that Minnesota would be able to run the ball on the road at Detroit and be able to come away with their good defense at minus two. Okay. What's your third pick? My third pick is the Baltimore Ravens at the Seattle Seahawks over the 49. The Baltimore Ravens defense is a dumpster fire. This is not your father's Ray Lewis defense. This is not your father's Ed Reed defense. This is not a good defense. On, on, I, I think Baltimore will give up points to Russell Wilson, uh, and I think they can score as well. Seattle's defense hasn't really impressed me either. Both of those te- these teams have been playing games in the high 20s. I think there's no reason to think that both teams can't get into the high 20s again. Over the 49, let's go points. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, no, my number three pick is the same as your number two pick. I'm on the Dolphins. Again, you're giving me 17 with Ryan Fitzpatrick, despite the interception rate. He is a feast or famine guy. Miami plus the 17 on principle. I'm sure you're not allowed to take Miami without doing the song. No, I'm not going to sing that. I'm sorry. Could you sing it one more time for us, Todd? Miami Dolphins. <laughs> I thought you would. Yeah, for me, it's it's Miami. And again, much like the previous two picks for me, both the Niners and uh, prior to that, my first pick being the Chiefs, one of these picks that you have to be willing to lose in all of these cases. You can beat me in either of these cases. Broncos, you can beat the Chiefs. Redskins, you can uh, cover against the Niners. And in this particular case right here, Bills, you can cover against the Dolphins. Tip of the cap. But I'll take the Chiefs, the Niners, and Dolphins very, very confidently in each case. Best bet number three, Mr. Fang, what do you got? Absolutely. Yeah. My my third best bet is the Chargers plus two at Tennessee. And Tennessee's offense has just been a complete disaster this year. When I look at adjusted success rate, they're 30th in pass offense. This has led to the benching of Marcus Mariota. And Ryan Tannehill is going to start this game. Tannehill is pretty interesting. In the years before last year, he had pass grades of 70-ish or above. Last year, he dropped to 45. So that doesn't give me a lot of hope that he's going to come in and be much better than Mariota, especially since Mariota certainly hasn't been good. The interesting thing about this game is that when we only look at the small sample size of of this year's numbers, so what I'll do is I'll take stats like margin of victory, success rate, yards per pass attempt, and I'll just look at what teams have done through this season. Tennessee is actually favored by four um, when you just look at that component. 
there's a couple factors involved. Tennessee's defense has been terrific. Uh, they rank eighth in pass defense and second in run defense. When I look at my adjusted sack rate, the Chargers have struggled. The pass defense is 28th, and they haven't had Derwin James all season, and they've had some other sec- injuries in the secondary as well. But when you factor in, there's other things that go into my model as well, and those factors favor the Chargers outright. You have to remember they have Phillip Rivers, who's going to be the best quarterback on that football field on Sunday. So I like the Chargers plus two at Tennessee. How about Melvin Gordon having the nerve to ask for more carries? He like destroys Austin Eckler's game, all his touches, the Chargers' entire season perhaps by doing so. Now he wants more carries. That's his solution. <laughs> this is what happens when good Midwest boys go out to the sunny beaches of uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to end well for him. All right, Ed, we start with you. Two-team, six-point teaser of the week. What you looking at? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know much about teasers until I had Preston Johnson on my podcast a couple weeks ago, and he told me about some of the underlying data on teasers. And it says essentially that you you want to take uh, you want to tease through the the key numbers of three and potentially seven when you do this. You can show based on data uh, over a lot of NFL games that these tend to be profitable. And uh, of of all the things that you can do with teasers. And I think that fits in perfectly with two of the games I like. Uh, Chargers plus two at Tennessee and the Texans plus one at Indy. I'm going to tease those through that key important number of three. And and that's my teaser for the week. So we'll get Chargers, what, plus eight? And then we'll get Houston plus seven. Support for today's Beating the Book podcast comes, as always, from our friends at bookmaker.eu. I have been saying it all season long. I will continue to say it. That bookmaker.eu is an industry leader for close to 30 years. You should know that by now. Pro players consider them a must because they're first to post odds. They take the highest limits and most importantly, pride themselves on never having kicked out a winning player. That is huge in this day and age. Bookmaker's a high volume sports book best suited for not only the sophisticated player who understands sports betting, but also to large recreational players as well. And their motto is where the lines originate because chances are the sports book at which you've been betting all along follows their lines. And right now, if you visit bookmaker.eu slash gill, that's bookmaker.eu slash G-I-L-L, you can claim an exclusive 100% welcome bonus of up to $300. Once again, that's bookmaker.eu slash gill, G-I-L-L, to join and claim your welcome bonus of up to $300 right now. Don't miss out. All right, gentlemen, final two questions. The first of which, which of the big favorites is the most likely, in your opinion, to lose outright? Only three qualify. I think I know what everybody's going to come up with. The only three candidates, Buffalo, 17-point favorites at home against Miami, San Francisco, 9.5-point favorites on the road at Washington, and New England, 9.5-point favorites on the road at the New York Jets on Monday night. What you got, Ed? And I should not include Green Bay favored by five, five and a half over Oakland in this, right? You should not because everyone's going to take, I mean, you're clearly going to take Green Bay because you're getting four points compared to the next highest game. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm going to go with New England. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's more of a call that I, I, I trust the Jets more than I trust either uh, Miami or Washington. Jets brought back Sam Darnold uh, last week. Look pretty good in getting the upset win over Dallas. I don't think they're going to play at that level every week, but I think this is a team that's that's going to have potential when they when they have something besides a statue playing quarterback for them. 
New England obviously has looked great. They're a key Super Bowl contender. Uh, there's not much bad you can say about Belichick. Uh, we do need to remember that Tom Brady still is 42 years old. I know a little bit about being that age. It's not as good as earlier in your life when you're playing the game of football or any other sports. So not that I really expect this to happen, but if I have to pick one of those three, I'm going to go with New England to get uh, the big favorite to get upset outright. Actually, y'all, I wanted to bring up something about your Washington Redskins that I thought was interesting. Please. Uh, with with Dwayne Haskins, I was talking to Eric Eager, and he has access to all these grades over at Pro Football Focus. And it was interesting that he said that Haskins didn't grade out that well last year at Ohio State, which seems a little preposterous because their offense was particularly explosive. Set all the Big Ten passing records. But the analysis was like, yeah, he didn't really have to make that many hard throws. So a lot of it was short stuff, wheel routes, crossing routes, which every Michigan fan will remember from last year, uh, didn't really have to make deep, intermediate, deep throws. Um, so didn't grade out particularly well. And, you know, I mean, he hasn't looked good in the limited action that he's seen this year. So just something I thought that was interesting, not necessarily heartwarming for a skins guy like yourself, but... Oh, such joy you bring, Ed. <laughs> That's what I'm here to do, Gil. I guess if I have to choose from those three... I'll take New England, but I don't like it. <laughs> okay, but I knew you were going to pick that. And finally, and finally, the, the game you want no part of. If we live in a bizarre world, you had to pick a side in each and every one of these games, but you didn't have to bet one of them. Which would it be, Ed? Yeah, the game I want no part of is the Miami Dolphins game. And I've wanted no part of this team since week one. And I'm a guy who tries to model the outcome of games. And I think it's very important when you do that to understand the limitations of your model. And I think the Miami is a very difficult team to model this year. You have no ideas about motivations. And I think we can sit here and argue all you want about whether they're tanking, what their motivation is. I personally think the players have a lot of motivation to play because they're still relying on this as their job and as their source of income. But... That doesn't really seem to be the case sometimes with this team. You have to know the limitations of what you can do and what you can understand. So for that, and since I'm a math guy, I'm going to stay away from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, it's the NFL, so there's a lot of games I don't really want any part of. Uh, I guess the best one I would probably go with is... Hmm, just give me a second here to anytime, peruse... Anytime. Anytime. And Don't worry about show. I would guess. <laughs> it's not, it's not, like this, not like this surprised you or anything, but go ahead. It did surprise me because I was busy with a lot of other stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I got sorry. Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys. How in the world do you know what's going to happen in this ball game? The Dallas Cowgirls can look great against crappy teams, look horrible against good teams. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles can lose to the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know what, what's going to happen here. Give me Philadelphia-Dallas for the stay away. Okay, for me, uh, New England was the pick for the uh, big favorite most likely to lose outright. Division game on the road. I don't think New England's looked all that great, even though they're undefeated. So that would be the obvious pick there. I think that's unanimous. Uh, and for me, the game I want no part of, for me, it's Arizona and the Giants. I, I, I hear all the reasoning with the Giants, but I just don't trust them at all. By the way, the other one for me would actually be Chargers-Titans. That actually might trump Arizona and the Giants for me. Did Mike Palm have a pick for teaser, for big favorite, and for game he wants no part of? Well, he said Packers on the favorite, but you've already nixed that, no, so he doesn't have do an that. answer on that. Okay. No part of the Rams-Falcons. 
He doesn't know what he's going to get with the Rams and Falcons. His teaser was the New Orleans Saints, like we both had. Bad sign that all three of us like New Orleans is one leg of our parlay. Mm-hmm. And then he went with the Miami Dolphins plus the 23 points. He agreed with the Fitzpatrick reasoning. That's he right. thinks Fitzpatrick can hang him in the game. Plus the 23 and New Orleans plus the nine and a half. Gentlemen, we've done all we can do from the power rank. Ed Fank, thank you, Ed. Thank you so much, Gil. Always a pleasure. For Mike Palm and Todd Wishnev, good luck with all your week seven bets in the National Football League. Thank you so much for listening. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.